Bermuda. If I've been out here selling myself short, pushing for less just for the love of the sport and no gimmies. Clear to see it, send me the vibe. But the hustle is not only taking the strides to see more better, not only more cheddar. Talk it like I walk it, call it poor man special. Seen more than envy in the eyes on my drive. Lessons over losses just to keep my sister proud. Can't describe the time it took just for me to hold my head instead of showing all my knowledge, slow to speak instead. And beyond that, I learned how to finesse the force direct with my mouthpiece. That's verbal in the course. What's that? Welcome back, world, to the Verbal Intercourse Podcast. Got your host, Nick Walker, in the building. Back with you today. Shout out to everybody who's been listening, subscribing, supporting the podcast. Really appreciative over here at Verbal Intercourse Jackson. And today, got a very special guest. Man, this dude, this dude Me. is... It's con- <laughs> man, this, this dude is like a big brother to everybody, man. He's like a... He he's like one of those guys that's just known around the city as as just having all of the advice, all of the knowledge, all the answers. <laughs> Shout out to Elon. <laughs> Shout out to Martin Swole White. I'm gonna just call you Swole for the we good for, for for the interview, man. Just to we stay good. informal as possible, bro. Man, I'm how you feeling it. today, brother? I'm good, bro. I'm man. good. How you? Man, I'm good, dog. I'm chilling, man. I had a short day at work, man. So I'm I'm definitely in a good mood, man. Got paid today. So come on, man. Hey, hey. Johnny so. Kim just got paid. <laughs> it's Friday night. Come it's, on, man. It's Friday, it's Friday night, bro. Just bought a <laughs> bottle, man. I'm chilling, man. So so come man, on. yeah, we're gonna get right on into it. But before we get into it, man, I I have to say the purpose of this podcast. Cause I was just talking to some friends the other day and they mm. was just saying that. You know, we always when we have these platforms, we always need to say the purpose of our platform. So the purpose of my platform is to not only provide entertainment, but knowledge to to the millennial group. Mm-hmm. And and I, I want that to be entertaining as possible. I want it to come out as smooth as possible, not preaching at you, but just giving you game as well as having fun, man. So, yeah, I, I definitely had to get that off my chest. But, but yeah, man, let's just get right on into it, man. Man, like I said today. Special guest, Martin White, Mr. Swole, and, and we're going to get right on into it, man. How, how, how did you get your name, Swole? Of course you got that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you ain't watching this, you see, you see this nigga, he swole as hell. But how, how you get that name? Who gave it to you, man? Man, this hoodie is actually a 7X. Really? So I just oh, look, shit. so I just look. I just look. Nah, I'm playing, man. But <laughs> you had me for a minute. <laughs> nah, man. The the story, man, is is funny because I didn't name myself Swole. Yeah. DJ Scrap Dirty, shout out to Scrap, named me Swole. So the funny story to that is about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and this is actually my entry point into the music business. I was an intern at Hot 97. Oh, that's lit, cuz. <laughs> yeah, I was an intern, but I still had the same statue. Right. Right? So, whenever artists would come through the station and they would do concerts, I would always be on stage with the artists. So, one day at the at the station, Scrap was like, he was just going off on everybody. You know what I'm saying? You know how Scrap is. He, yeah. he, short man syndrome, all that good stuff. <laughs> anyway, 
he going off for everybody. He's like, and you, why you always on stage with, with the artists like you, the security or something? <laughs> Just a big swole nigga. <laughs> you know what? That's your name. Big swole. That's it. <laughs> And it just stuck. And it just literally stuck. that that's the story. Man, that's crazy, dog. So <laughs> so man, you you seem like a jack of all trades, a renaissance man. You know, I, I feel like everybody, you know, if you follow his page, he's always having positive things to say. He's not not yeah. even just positive things to say. He's he's very intuitive, very knowledgeable about a lot of things. Like I said, you know, mm -hmm. you you're a Christian, you're a father. You're a, you're, sure. a financial, you're, you're a financial coach. You're a yeah. life insurance coach specialist. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you got your hands in, on, on so many different things. And, yeah. and, and, you know, how do you have the time to actually do all of those things? <laughs> <clears throat> now, time is one thing, man, because right. I'm trying to manage it all from being a dad to, you know, my business and financial services, life insurance and investments to, being a leader in church, mm -hmm. you know, to being a student, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm in a adult program at, a, at Bellhaven. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So time is one thing, just trying to manage it all. But, man, I got into an honesty and truthfully, Nick, man, life. Right. And, and I say that, man, because even with the things I was doing in the music business, I had a regular job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had a regular job. I was in corporate banking at Trustmark. Okay. So, um... Great job, man. Great pay, great benefits. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have to talk to customers, open accounts, nothing like that. I was in corporate banking, mm -hmm. black man corporate banking, no college degree. Wow. So, shoot, you got it made. Right. You know what I'm saying? But truth of the matter is, bro, I got tired of going to work. Yeah. <laughs> just being real. I got tired of going to work and just punching the clock because mm -hmm. I felt like God had more within me. That's it's just real. being stuck behind those four walls. Just real, real talk. That's real. So I'm praying to God. I'm like, you know what? God put me in a position to where I have my time back, mm. but I'm also still able to make income. So during this time, there was a lot of things that was happening in my life mm. that I like to call defining moments. Mm. And, you know, I think everybody has defining moments that really sets their lives on a totally different tra trajectory. Real. I had three of those defining moments. Number one was the increase of murders of black men in our community. Mm. So your Trayvon Martins, your Philando Castillo's, these things are starting to happen and increase. So I was like, you know what? I have a voice, I have an influence to where I can be a mentor and a positive role model to the men in our community. That's so that's the final moment number one. That's real. The final moment number two is when I found out I was becoming a parent and mm. I had a son coming into the world. So that was the final moment because I said, as soon as I became a parent, I wanted to have all the time in the world for my child, taking the doctor's appointments, things like that. I, I didn't want to have no time constraints. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Last and final moment, man, was I'm the only child. So mm -hmm. my dad was diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, my mom would call me mm -hmm. to come back to her house to help, my, to help her with my dad due to his cancer you know, diagnosis. He would have episodes due to it. Mm -hmm. So I have to leave work go to her house, come back to work on a pretty regular basis. So one of these times when I got back to work, I was in training in this new department and I fell asleep. So my supervisor woke me up and she was like, you know what, Martin, maybe we made a mistake in hiring you wow. in this department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So picture this 5'3", 5'4", 
five two little white lady telling me <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> this. Now, I was very transparent, let them know everything that was happening with my dad. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So mm-hmm. when she said that, it just really added fuel to the fire of me wanting to get out of the corporate structure. So that's what really added fuel to the fire, but I didn't know how to get out. You feel me? So stayed at Trustmark for like two, three years. After that, my dad passed away, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? But had a good friend reach out to him, and he was like, hey, man, I think I have something that can benefit our community. Yeah. So I was like, shoot, I'm out game for it. Like, what I got to do? So he was like, man, come to my school. I'll break it all down to you. So I went to his school, sat down with him, sat down with my now mentor by the name of Corey Bloom. They pretty much broke it all down to me right. to where I can position myself to be more of an asset to our community and teaching them and helping them when it comes down to their personal finances itself. So started my journey then, got licensed. You know what I'm saying? This was like September 2016. Wow. Didn't do nothing with my license because Trustmark owned a company that does what we do, so it would have been a conflict of interest. Wow. So <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So stayed at Trustmark until February 6, 2017. That was the date mm. that Trustmark left me. Mm. I got fired. Right. So my son is like seven months old at the time. Nick, I had no savings. Mm. I'm working in a bank. Mm. I have no, no savings, savings. Wow. whatsoever. Wow. Right? Still got bills, still got things that's coming in because I created a lifestyle for myself, right? Mm. So the first person that I called, I didn't call my mom. I didn't call my son's mom. I called my mentor. And I was like, hey, man, listen, this is what happened. I'm frustrated. I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. He says, well, you can look at it one of two ways, bro. You can be mad at it, mm-hmm. or now you can look at it as God answering your prayers and giving you what you've been praying for, which is time to where now you can go and build a business to where nobody can take that away from you or your son. Wow. So he said that. Like I said, that was 2017. Mm-hmm. Here I am now about to be promoted vice president of that company. Wow. Man, hey. <laughs> hey, that's a hey, hey, I wasn't ready for that story. Hey. Man, that was a good ass story, man. Because yeah. because I can tell just by you speaking about it how how it's one of those defining moments that still make your voice kind of shake. You feel me? It does, man, because a lot of people go through excuse me, these situations really? and they suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. And they feel like nobody is there to relate to them. You know what I'm saying? Especially being in my position, because it still awes me. I'm, just, I'm not going to sit up here and lie. It still awes me, and it still puts me in a position to like, okay, God, me? You want me yeah. to do this? Because I'm in the financial industry, and before I got into it, I'm mm-hmm. working at a bank. But even while I'm working at a bank making good money, I call myself the king of check cashing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I have five or six different accounts at check cash and companies, bro. But no one to pay another one, yeah. tower loans, all of these different things, debt out to Wazoo. And here I am, here I am now, mm-hmm. debt free. Right. You know what I'm saying? Been debt free for about two and a half, three years. Man, that's 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 amazing right there. <laughs> <laughs> for real. And I'm sitting here helping people on the same journey. And I think in the industry that I'm in, man, where only five of us, 5% of us is in this industry. Mm-hmm. 
only 5% black people. So the other 95%, they don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't understand the things that we've gone through to achieve the things that we've achieved in life thus far. So we need somebody relatable to understand the story to where I got all these check cashing accounts. I got this towel on. I got all these different things. I need help, but nobody's going to understand me. Uh-huh. But no, I do. I get it. Hey, that's that's definitely real, man. Cause I, cause I definitely feel as a person that works in healthcare, um, people that and, and I've mentored students that's trying to come up, or people that's trying to get into physical therapy school or whatever type of health professional school. You know, it's it's some people that look like us that can't relate to us. I hope and yeah. and I'm and I feel like I'm one of those people. You're definitely one of those people that can that can be the leaders in the community because we can put on so many different hats and everybody in the room can somehow find some relatability to us, which is sure. very important when, when somebody like you is being a stable in the community that, that people are looking at you for leadership, yeah. especially financial and black and blacks and all minorities yeah. need help financially. And, and, you know, we definitely going to get into that. So, so let's, let's, yeah. Let's go. Let, let's change lanes a little bit. Okay. You know, uh, I feel like millennials, we've been suffering with a lot. It, not even just millennials, the whole world, but especially millennials because I mean, we, we got student loans. We got the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic. We got inflation. We got gas prices. We got <laughs> we got jobs yeah. not willing to pay what what need what what needs to be paid for survival. You know, right. Um Talk to me a little bit about any advice that you can give any millennial or any uh, person, basically, about how to navigate all this financially right now. Man, honestly and truthfully, starting now. Yeah. Because there's a cost to waiting. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, if, you, if you're the type or if you're somebody who's listening to this or watching this, and let's say you want to be a millionaire, multimillionaire, you know, in 20. 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. start putting back now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And don't put back in a savings account at a bank because the savings account in the bank is paying you less than 1%. Okay. So you don't want to put your money there. The only reason that you save money is you save it for an emergency account in mm. case of an emergency. Okay. But all of your extra money, start investing. Start mm-hmm. investing in a mutual fund. You know, I know a lot of people... I see on social media talking about individual stocks, all of these different things. I'm not a big supporter of individual stocks mm-hmm. unless it's a certain stock like Walmart, Nike, companies that you know are not going anywhere for the next 100, 200 years. Mm-hmm. But you start investing in mutual funds. In a mutual fund, you can have Nike, you can have Tesla, you can have Google, you can have Microsoft, you can have all of these different companies in one fund and you're buying into that fund on a monthly basis to where, okay, if one of those companies drop off in value, your money doesn't, you don't lose value in your portfolio. Okay. So you want to start investing now. And I know it's, it sounds easy. Okay. Invest now, you know, all of this, all of these different things, but the key to investing is parking your money let it sit for at least six years to where you're compounding interest. That's the key to investing is compounding interest to a compounding interest takes off to where, okay, if you're investing and on average, the market is getting 10, 12% where you look at it, your money is doubling, you know, every six, every 12 years. Okay. 
You know what I'm saying? As opposed yeah. to in a bank account, you're getting less than 1%. Yeah. You know, when you take one, you divide into 72, which is the rule of 72, which is the banker's rule. Mm-hmm. Then one divided into 72 is 72, meaning that it's going to take 72 years for $1 to double and become $2. Wow. <laughs> we gonna be dead <laughs> you gonna be dead exactly <laughs> so that's why you don't want to park your money in a savings account at a bank but you want to invest to where you're getting a 12 percent. like during covid man one of my one of my accounts in my mutual fund got 27 percent returns wow. wow yeah wow so so during covid did did like you said the mutual fund did it improve your mutual fund or greatly so why why did it do that though? <laughs> Greatly. Man, so here's the thing about investing, especially in the stock market. So during times of panic and stocks go down. They go down. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, man, let me take my money out. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, you nah. keep it there because it's you, gonna go back up. Yeah, you keep it there. You buy more because <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah. at a discount. Right. Uh-huh. You know, like Amazon just was it Amazon is some company. No, Tesla. Tesla, yeah. Tesla just announced like a 28 to 1 stock split that's gonna take effect in like June. Mm. So, so if you can't afford to buy one share of Tesla stock, which is like two thousand dollars or something like that, wait until the split mm-hmm. buy in to where now you have more bang for your buck. So you feel me? So to explain that to the people, wouldn't that be um you you just divide uh, two thousand twenty eight times basically yeah okay yeah yeah absolutely so yeah because I think I think it's very important that we break down because like the community they don't understand like certain stocks and certain stuff and and it's never been really talked to us you know it hasn't right so talk to me a little bit about you know you said you you went to a school where mm. you, you were you teaching it to the youth for. Were you just learning at the school? No, nah, I was just learning. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I'm in school at Bellhaven. Okay. You know, so I went back to school. I started my collegiate career at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the best student. Mm-hmm. Got an academic probation, academic suspension, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So that transferred into me being into corporate America, basically. So yeah. starting at J.P. Morgan Chase in the student loan division, then that I'm matriculated to Trustmark or what have you. So I didn't go to school for finances. Mm-hmm. I don't have a financial, you know, background or degree or certificate. Well, I'm not going to say don't certification because I got it now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was at Trustmark, though, mm-hmm. I went and I got my certifications while I was at Trustmark. So mm-hmm. basically, the big wigs that was making all of the money, they had these certifications. Well, I had them, but I'm sitting there in a department that was... At the time, by me having these certifications, I was underpaid, mm. but I really couldn't do anything. Right. Cause because you just needed it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but now since I have them mm. and I'm able to put people on game and teach them about the rule of 72 and, you know, why having the right kind and right amount of life insurance and what the true meaning of life insurance is for, mm. which is not to bury. But to create an instant estate and instant wealth that's tax-free, you know, I'm able to put people on game, whether they get it from me or not, because at the end of the day, I just want to put you on game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because these are things, like you said, weren't taught in high school and college, and that's by design. You look at the school system, they teach you how to be an employee. Mm -hmm. 
Teach how to be an employee. Yep. Teach us how to be prompt on time. Exactly. Tuck your shirt in. <laughs> exactly. What time to go to lunch? Get when you haircut. go to recess? <laughs> right. You know, weekends off, vac- holidays, all of these different things. Yeah. Right. Right. They teach you how to be an employee. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's very important that we able to talk to somebody that look like us about money. Because, <laughs> because and, yeah. and, and it's sad because a lot of us don't trust talking to black people about money. We always think it's some type of pyramid scheme, some type of yeah. uh of I'm sell, I'm for I'm a forex trader or <laughs> or or I got buy buy this and I'll give you fifteen hundred dollars on your cash app or, man. <laughs> or, or some shit like that. Man. Those Christmas specials. Right, right, right. So so let's let's get on right into it about the about the life insurance because I'm I'm very interested in that. Um, I have a life insurance plan with my job, but I'm I'm interested okay. in getting one outside of my job. Um, talk to me a little you bit should. about the benefits of life insurance and how it could and, and how it could really help not not only the person that you know is under, but their family and create generational wealth and stuff like that. Yeah, man, you definitely should outside of your job get a life insurance policy because essentially your job is the one who owns that policy. Right. And this is for anybody that has on-the-job insurance. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's good to have as a benefit because you're not paying that much on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, your company is eating up a majority of the cost. But, you know, they're the ones who own it, and there are so many provisions to it to where you have to be an active employee, which means that you have to be clocked in mm-hmm. in order for that policy to pay out if you pass away. Right. So. Yeah, if you if, quit, if you fired, <laughs> if you're on workers' comp, if you take a day off, wow. you're not considered an active employee. Wow, you're not considered that. And then the actual policy itself is one to two times your salary. So if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, then it's only maybe fifty thousand to a hundred thousand of coverage. So if you're a married man or a married woman with kids. You know, $100,000 really ain't going to go that far if you have a mortgage, if you have car note, if you have utilities, if you have kids tuition, you know, child care, all of these different things. A hundred grand isn't going to go anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> nowhere at all. <laughs> right. So getting life insurance is vitally important, man. And once I learned that when our People, you know, our grandparents, our great grandparents, and even going back further, our people, we weren't able to get life insurance, uh-huh. but those that owned us was able to put life insurance oh, nice. on us. That's uh-huh. how property and casualty uh-huh. came about because wow. we were property and we were casualties. So by us being property, we die out. That policy would pay out to the slave owner. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And so what's crazy, man, is before I got involved with the company that I'm with now, I actually interviewed with another company. I'm not going to say they na- their name. I'll tell you after. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you afterwards. But I interviewed with them. They said, hey, we want you to come in, you know, promise me all the bells and whistles, you know, this commission structure with this guaranteed salary. In about a year, we'll make you partner of our firm, all of these different things. So I started doing research on this company and come to find out this company was the number one life insurance company that sold slave insurance. Wow. 
Damn, how you how did <laughs> that information is on the internet? It's on the internet. So the <laughs> the name of that company, it isn't the name of it now. <laughs> right. It, it's a totally different name. Yeah, but it's still the root. Yeah, it's still the root. Yeah. So I couldn't see myself partnering with that company. Mm-hmm. You feel me? But when it comes to life insurance, man, our our families, we were we really weren't benefited with being taught or being sold the right type of life insurance because basically you have two types of life insurance. You have whole life, you have term, right? Okay. So basically, just a real quick rundown. Okay. Whole life is what was sold to our families. Mm. And the reason it was sold to our families because, number one, back then, low payout, so it really prevented our families from participating in the wealth transfer. Compared to N, it's the most expensive type of life insurance. So you may see or you may have heard of or know of a family member like a grandparent or great-grandparent who had like a five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars life insurance policy that they've been paying for for 20, 30 years, paying 50, 60, 70, 100 dollars a month mm-hmm. for that length of time. Well, if you calculate all of those premiums up, then the money that they spend is way more than the payout. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But when it pays out that ten, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, we're not participating in the wealth transfer mm-hmm. where the agent that sold it to us had a term policy, mm. a term half a million, million, two million dollar life insurance policy itself, to where they had it in place for for their kids, mm-hmm. taught their kids, hey, here's what you're gonna do with this money. Mm-hmm. Take 10% of this money, if it's $2 million, take 10%, no, take 1% of it, which is $20,000. You go and you insure yourself for $10 million, mm. take the remaining balance, invest it to where now the, the interest from the, invest, uh, from the investments is paying you to where you don't have to go and get another job. So now we're paying you from the interest. You're covered with this $20 million. You teach your kids to repeat the process to where the wealth is just compounding and compounding. And from the proceeds, businesses are being started, you know, all of these different things. Wow. Man, I'm going to have to run this back after I finish recording, man. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody that's listening, hey, you, hey, get your pen and pa- paper out, man. This, you dropping knowledge. So. Yeah. So so they've been doing this for years and we just kind of years. And, and we just getting kind of hip to it. Yeah. And you know, it's I said I was gonna keep it real on this podcast when we talk. So I'm gonna yeah. keep it real. Go like, ahead, go ahead. Like I don't like whole life insurance. Okay. I don't like it. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. Because it really doesn't benefit the middle class. Mm-hmm. Now you hear a lot of people talk about infinite banking, all of these different things. You know, you could be your own bank, all of these different things. But they they make it sound so good, make it sound so pretty, but you're really not knowing exactly what that means. So basically, with this concept, you're overfunding your life insurance policy. Uh-huh. So as opposed to paying 50, 60, 70, 100 dollars a month, you're paying four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Now, these policies pretty much are designed for people that are already 
well off who can afford Mm -hmm. to do these types of things. And mostly it's people that's in real estate because they can take the, take the money that's being built in the cash value, take it by other properties to where now they can fix those properties, create an instant cash flow, you know, all of these different things and then take the cash flow from that and then put it back into the policy to where no drop off, (laughs) none at all for the average person, for the average Black person that's in middle America, they can't afford that. They can't afford twenty, thirty. I mean, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars a month. You know what I'm saying? But with whole life on a basic level, there's four evils to whole life. Number one is stock. It's the most expensive mm-hmm. type of life insurance because you're paying for two things, but essentially you're going to get one. Mm-hmm. So you're paying for the cost of insurance. You're paying for the cash value mm-hmm. or the savings component itself. So if your policy is a hundred dollars a month. 50 of that is going towards the cost of insurance. The other 50 is going towards your savings. But what they don't tell you is your savings does not start to accumulate until the third year that your policy has been in existence. Mm. So for three years, you just paying and no savings, none at all. Yeah. No savings for you, mm-hmm. but that pays extra commissions and policy fees mm. for the selling agent. So that's number one. Right. Number two, they say, you know, you can borrow against your policy, Mm -hmm. right? Well, technically, this is just like you going to Bank of America or Chase Mm -hmm. and you're opening a savings account with $10,000 in it. Mm -hmm. The next week, you say, you know what? I need to take $5,000 out of my savings account. So you go to Chase, you go to the bank or whatever. He's like, hey, I need to withdraw $5,000 out of my account. They say, you know what, Mr. Walker, go see Joe, the loan officer. Mm-hmm. So you're looking like Joe, the loan officer. What did he go see <laughs> Joe for? So, okay, so you go see Joe. You're like, Joe, I just opened this account last week. I put 10000 in it. I need to withdraw $5,000. They told me to come see you. I don't know why you're the loan officer. I don't need a loan. Mm-hmm. So they say, Mr. Walker, we understand. We see that you opened the account. However, we can't let you withdraw $5,000 out of your account. But what we can do is we can loan it to you <laughs> and by you by us loaning it to you, you have to pay us back between a six to ten percent interest. Wow. Now, Nick, I'm not sure if you're anything like me. Yeah. You know, but I'm six one, you know, right now, three hundred pounds. <laughs> if anybody tells me <laughs> it's, it's gonna get physical. <laughs> nobody's going to lunch that day, nobody's getting off. I need answers. <laughs> Why the hell do I need to borrow my own money? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. This is what these life insurance policies do, though. It's your money, mm-hmm. but in order for you to access it, you have to borrow it mm-hmm. and pay it back with a 6 to 10% interest. And if you don't pay it back, <laughs> the only thing that they're going to do is they're going to subtract whatever you owed plus that annual interest. Mm. They're going to subtract that from your policy benefit amount. So let's say you have 50000 in cash value mm-hmm. and your policy amount is $50,000. You took out a loan of 30000 So that leaves 20000 left in the savings. So you don't pay it back. They're going to subtract 30000 plus the annual interest from the 50000 Give your family the 20000 and the remaining $20,000 that's in the cash value, the insurance company keeps. Wow. 
that's a lose lose situation. That's a lose lose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a lose lose. <laughs> yeah. And the fourth thing, bro, is let's say you don't take a loan. Mm-hmm. So you got the fifty thousand in the cash value. You got the fifty thousand life insurance coverage. The Lord calls you home. You would think you would get both, which is a hundred thousand. Right. No, your family gets a choice. Either you're gonna take the cash value, or you're gonna take the coverage amount. Uh-huh. The actual term of cash value insurance is cash surrender value. Mm-hmm. So you have to give up one. For the other, you can't get both unless you're paying extra a month for that benefit, which is called an option B benefit itself. See, these are the things that the actual industry is not going to teach. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to tell you that. Right. They just promoting and say you can borrow against your policy. You can do this. You can do that. It's flexible. You know, all of these different things is not as flexible as you actually think it is compared to term, term to where term is it's from anywhere from 10 years to all the way to 35 40 years to where the rate is locked in for that length of time and you can maximize on half a much of coverage that you want so if you want half a million a million if you can afford it two million whatever the case may be mm-hmm. and you can afford it like a young person let's say 30 years old mm-hmm. non-smoker you know great physical fit it may be $125 a month for a million dollar life insurance policy or $60 a month for half a million or, or a quarter of a million, you know, 35, 40 bucks for, for a quarter of a million, $300,000 policy yeah, for 20, 30 years. That ain't that expensive at all. Not at all. Right. You're pretty much buying money at this point. Mm-hmm. Because the way the life insurance company works is they take what you're paying on a monthly basis, you multiply it by 12 itself, which is your annual premium. So let's say it's $50 a month. That's $600 a year that you're paying for half a million dollars of life insurance coverage, right? Yeah. So you got a 20 year term that's, you know, do the math on that. That's 12, 13, 14,000 dollars total that you paying in for this half a million dollars of coverage. Wow. You know what I'm saying? You just bought money. Wow. Yeah, that's that that's amazing. So definitely, so definitely I need to be looking at term life insurance policies. Yeah. And and <laughs> I'm gonna definitely be hitting <laughs> yeah. you up. I'm gonna definitely be hitting you up about it because it's because uh you know research research has shown from from my research and all over the internet that millennials and generations Z they we're not financially literate. Like, yeah. so these things that you're explaining on this podcast episode today is very important because we really do not know this information. Like, yeah. I'm li- like I'm literally, like I've heard some of this stuff before, but I'm literally learning stuff from listening to you right now. Mm. So, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very, and it's very important for you to be on my podcast right now. Cause I feel like these are the Appreciate things it, that man. not even just for my guests, like anybody I, invite on the podcast i'm i want to learn from them and i'm yeah. learning from you right now so yeah that's very that's very important for me right now so yeah appreciate that content brother <laughs> it's all good man <laughs> you know like just just want to add to to what i just said mm-hmm. like the philosophy with with term life insurance man is you buy term mm-hmm. you invest the mm-hmm. difference of what you would have paid with a whole life policy so let's say with whole life for the for the same half a million dollars of coverage, 
let's say with term, you pay $100 a month. That whole life policy would be, let's say, four or $500 a month. Where you, if you can afford it, you take that $400 difference and you invest it to where over 20, 25, 30-year time period, you have the cash equivalent of having a million dollars or more to where at that period, you don't need life insurance. You have cash money. So technically, you're self-insured. Wow. You don't need a life insurance policy. Right. It's up. Life insurance wasn't designed to be paid your whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't designed yeah. for that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy, man. Hey, <laughs> like I said, this is very important and informative content. So yeah, y'all make sure y'all tune in to this, man. So yeah, we we gonna uh, we we gonna switch lanes a little bit. Okay. You you've been in the hip hop scene for a long time, man. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about your start in the in the, in the hip hop scene, <laughs> and then and then Man. and then talk about how you progressed and 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 got to where you are right now because a lot of people hit you up for advice. Mm-hmm. And are you still managing uh, artists or working with artists? Yeah, I'm working with uh, working with an artist now. Okay, uh, uh, I'm gonna tell you after the camera. Who yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't I'm gonna ask you who you working with. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. You know who he is. Oh, I, I probably you, do. You, you know. Him. Okay, yeah. okay. So, uh, so talk to me a little bit about your start, man. Man, start, man was um, honestly, I got to go back to to high school, bro. Yeah, even beyond then because I've always loved music. Mm-hmm. I always loved music. When my parents, when we would go out of town. The first thing that I'm doing is my dad's driving. I'm turning to the radio station just to hear what the radio station sounds like. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what they're playing musically, but what they sound like. Mm-hmm. Right? So, as I grew to high school, there was this, excuse me, I knew I wanted to be in the music business. Mm-hmm. So, there was this book in my library called The Business of Music. I will always check this book out, read it front to back, back to front. Checked it out so much to where the librarian made me stop <laughs> checking it out at least for a month to give somebody else the opportunity to check the book out. Right. Nobody did. So she eventually <laughs> gave me the book. <laughs> she gave it to me. So that's why I learned about ARs, you know, about promo departments, all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, I want to work for a record label one day. Didn't know how mm. at all. So basically, I'm listening to the radio here, and I'm like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to be in the music business, but I want these people to know who I am. That was my main thing. I wanted these people to know who I am. I wanted Alice Marie. I wanted DJ Finesse. I wanted Mailman. I wanted, you know, all of these different people. That's Yeah, the legends (laughs) that's on radio to know who I am. So got to Jackson State, man, and I started hanging around this record store, this local mom-and-pop record store here on Ellis Avenue called Sound of Sound Music. Mm-hmm. My boy Mario ran the shop. Shout out to Mario. I'm not sure if he's still around in the Jackson area, but shout out to Mario if you're listening to this. <laughs> so just started hanging around him because everybody would come through his shop. Everybody from artists to record labels like <laughs> this guy, no lie, this guy had record label reps come to his shop. The dude had, like, actual CDs of artists. Mm-hmm. He had, like, a 10-disc CD burner in wow. the back of his shop, burning <laughs> CDs and selling them to people when they come in. Right. And the record label reps would come in and not have an issue with it. Wow. Didn't have an issue with it at all. Yeah. 
So <laughs> I'm getting game from him. I'm like, dude, this is what I want to do. You know, we built a relationship to where he will leave the shop and he will leave me there and people come in and I will handle the transactions, all of this stuff. So when different labor reps and different artists and stuff like people from Houston, you know, from Switch House, from, you know, from Rec Shop, you know, all of these different people came through. I'm chopping it up with them, exchanging phone numbers, all of this stuff. At this point, I'm just a fan. I'm like, damn, this 50-50 twin. This is Sad Warfare. This is Michael Watts. This is yeah. OG Ron C. I'm fanned out. Like, yeah. I just want your phone number, bro. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, so man, I had a good friend at Jackson State um, called Derek. Um, Derek Trumbull, man, God rest the dead. He passed away a few years ago. He had a internship in 97. So I told him I wanted to be an intern. He was like, I right, come up to the radio station. So went up to the radio station. First time I met Mr. Um, first time I met Quasi. You know what I'm saying? So I'm watching Mr. You know, control the boards doing one of his breaks at the station. I'm just watching. I'm just observing him. So he going to commercial break and he's chopping down the things that he's doing with commercials and stuff. So I'm watching them and I'm like, hey, the next time you do that or next time you get ready to do that, let me do it. He was like, man, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, nah, let me do it. He was like, I bet. So he let me do it, and I did it. And he was like, who the, f- who the hell are you? <laughs> like, you've done this before? I'm like, nah, man. This, I'm telling you, this is what I want to, to do. do. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people today have that element mm-hmm. to where they do whatever it takes to get into the positions that they want to be in. Yeah. Because even before the internship, I was at Jackson State. I was also working at SkyTail. Mm-hmm. So back in the gap, everybody had a SkyTail two-way pager. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I bought my own two-way. Mm-hmm. I had access to everybody's information. Everybody. Not only the information, but back then the statute of limitations is up. So y'all can't sue me for this. <laughs> so I can go in and I can read everybody's messages. Yeah. Everybody, who they're talking to, what they're talking about, <laughs> all of this stuff. So I'm pulling up Diddy's messages. I'm reading them, Birdman, everybody. Damn. Damn. They contact information, phone numbers, two-way information, all of this. So I got my own two-way. I'm jacking Info, yeah. put them in my two-way, right. right? So the internship at the radio station comes up. So I put a signature <laughs> on my two-way that's like Big Swole, the future of 97.7. <laughs> and I would hit these people up. Yeah. And I would make up stories saying, you know, I met you in Atlanta, I met you here or whatever. <laughs> They're like, all right, cool, whatever. So whenever they came through the station, <laughs> I'd be like, yo, this Swole, I met you over here. You know, we were two and Oh, yeah, I remember. What's up, Swole? What's going on? <laughs> no lie. It was this. It was this. <laughs> it was That's really wild. this, bro. That's wild, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so my internship turned into an actual job in 97 to where I had Friday through Sunday from 7 to 11. Now, I ain't gonna lie. I sucked at radio. I didn't have a radio voice. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff. I was nervous as hell. It was me, my boy, Big Vail, you know, which is my brother. Shout out to Vail. Um, DJ Doc, you know what I'm saying, on the ones and twos. Just, it was just a vibe, a party, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I took it, man. Everybody that came through the station built relationships with, um, Definitely built the relationship with Scrap 
and people don't understand, I don't think people understand just the depth of the knowledge of DJ Scrap, of DJ Finesse, cats that are here mm -hmm. because they have an extensive history, not just of Mississippi hip hop, but on a national and international basis. Mm -hmm. You feel me? To where Scrap, Scrap was one of the founders of the first DJ coalition in the entire country, the technicians, and everybody was a part of the technicians from Big Tigger to Envy to Enough, you know, the who's who's of DJs, Greg Street, you know, everybody was a technician. I was his intern. Wow. So when I saw him, so I saw him break free and leave the technicians and start the Violator All-Star DJs with Chris Lighty, God rest the dead. They were business partners. I saw it when it happened. Wow. You feel me? Yeah, that's history. <laughs> so <laughs> just really watching how he moved. Like, Scrap would be DJing at the station, and he would play like a, a, a goodie mob record. Mm -hmm. And just to flex a little bit, he'd be like, watch this, watch this. He'll get on his next cell phone, and he'll call CeeLo. be like, hey, CeeLo, I'm playing your record right now. And I'm like, the f nigga, this is it's how, he, how yeah. he get his phone yeah. Like, yeah. okay, I want to be like him. <laughs> I want to be like him. Yeah. Then I would go to, you know, finesse parties when he would be at Jazzy's and all other spots just to be next to finesse. I'm like, man, this is the the dude that was crowned the number one down south DJ in the in the world. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really just wanted to have these cats know who I was. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So it was just that hustle, that drive, man, that really just translated into where I am now, man, just me and honest, you know what uh -huh. I'm saying? It's that foundation, you know, that, that led to the core DJs, the, the story with that man is and how I got into the core DJs. So back in the gap, the only way DJs really communicated with one another was by message boards. So the core DJs had a website with the message board. TJ's DJs had a website with the message board. Bum squad DJs had the same thing. Uh -huh. So, the way that labels, DJ share music was by these message boards, and that's how they communicated outside of phones. Mm -hmm. So they would share music, talk noise, all of these different things. So shoot, I'm building relationships with all of these different cats. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I had become a Mason. Mm -hmm. So my picture for my profile was the Masonic emblem, the square compass. Mm -hmm. And I had my contact information, all of this stuff, in my profile. So I get a phone call and my mom picks up the phone. She's like, hello. And she's like, you know, it's for you. So I pick up the phone. And he's like, um, nigga, what's this on, on, on this picture? <laughs> and I'm like, who is this? He was like, this is Tony Neal, the CEO of the core DJs. I'm like, Oh shit. Wow. I'm like, um, what you mean? What's that on, on, on my picture? He was like, bro, what you know about that? So I'm like, Oh, so I'm like, nah, nigga, what you know about that? You know what I'm saying? And we just kicked it off from there, man, and um, built the relationship to me becoming a member of the core DJs, man. You know, it was just as simple as that. But before the core, man, I got a lot of stories, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know how much time you got. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but before I was a core DJ, like, Nick, I really mastered I would say, and I don't say this arrogantly, mm -hmm. but the art of networking. Yeah, I can and, tell. <laughs> but not just networking, but creating the illusion <laughs> of me being 
bigger than I actually was. <laughs> that's <right>? important. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> like, is. I mastered that shit. And, and I'm, I mean that because, like, I was one of the founding <laughs> members of the Shadyville DJs. And Shadyville DJs is DJ Who Kids. Really? DJ crew. Yeah, wow. I was one of the founding members. So, at the time, Joe Monopoly, who was managing Kanye at the time, and DJ Who Kid were business partners, and they wanted to create a DJ crew or whatever. So this is the MySpace age or whatever. So I'm posting things on MySpace or whatever. And somehow one of their assistants found my profile mm-hmm. and was like, hey, Who Kid is creating a, a DJ crew. We want to extend the invitation for you to be one of the founding members. I'm like, shit, I bet. Cool. Yeah. So me, Charlemagne, the God, um, and a few other cats were like the founding members of DJ Who Kids, Shadyville DJs. This is before the core DJs. Wow. So. Them some, that's some names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's some names. Man, that's crazy, bro. You, I feel like you, you've been able to be in rooms that a lot of people can't even walk <laughs> in. Like I seen, I think I saw you talking. I think I saw you on like a Zoom call with like Dame Dash. Like, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. was that? Man, that was um, every Wednesday night, the core DJs, we have conversations with the core. And um, we have different artists, different executives that come and just basically, (coughs) excuse me, build with our DJs, talk with us. And we open it to to all DJs. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's closed off just to the core DJs. But that wasn't the first interaction with Dane. Really? That wasn't my first interaction. That was my second. Okay. So the first time was... Years ago, during the Skytail days, because he was one of the ones that I <laughs> I jacked his info, and basically, man, I coordinated a, a interview mm-hmm. in '97 with Mister and Dame Dash. Wow, on air, you know what I'm saying? Like him, Lisa Ray, a, a, a lot of cats. You know what I'm saying? I just utilized resources, man. Not really knowing what the hell I was doing, but it really just formed into. All of this came from my love of music and me just wanting to have people know who I was. And and you had to have hella big balls, hella confidence <laughs> to 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 do some shit like <laughs> use the Skytail to, <laughs> to to get in contact with, with some of the biggest names in the business. That's that's amazing, yeah. dog. That's a hey, hey, I feel it though. If if you ever wrote a book, hey, that'll be <laughs> One of the Straight climaxes up. of the book, for real, for real, because that's crazy, dog. So it, it just morphed, man. It 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 really honestly morphed. And it wasn't that I didn't intend for it to morph because I wanted it to. I just needed a way in. And I think cats really need to or should, excuse me, find a way in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to just relying on the internet. Do you think do you think the Hip hop artists in Jackson and in the Mississippi area, you know, of course, a lot of people, uh, of course, a lot of people say that we don't have the infrastructure here Mm -hmm. as far as musically. But I feel like, you know, sometimes people use that as like a scapegoat or an excuse. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, for instance, how you've uh, attacked it and and, you know, Hopped over fences to get to where you wanted to get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, do you think the artists in the city? Do you think they don't? 
Well, I, do you, I ain't going to say they, not all of them, but do you think some of them don't have the drive to get where they want to get? Um, I'm not going to say the drive, man. I, I don't I, – I think it's a, a mix of falling into <clears throat> the the what they see on the Internet and thinking that it should go this way so that I don't have to put any effort mm. into elevating my career. You know what I'm saying? Because the infrastructure, it may seem like it's not there, but it's it's there. Mm-hmm. It's it's simple. And I know being on my side, I could say that it's simple. And somebody that's an artist, like, how can you say it's simple? Because it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. I can get where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, there is a system that's in place. Not saying when it comes down to gatekeepers, all of that stuff, because that doesn't matter. But there is a system just to navigate the music business, then it's all built upon relationships. Mm. It's all built upon relationships, regardless of if you have a million dollars, excuse me, a million dollars or not, it's built upon relationships. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of artists really put in the sweat equity that it takes to build these relationships. You know what I'm saying? I think some of them are prideful. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 a lot of times when you trying to get somewhere in life, you got to go through that that stage of humility. Like, yeah, like it's not like you being a kiss ass or you being humble in the most respectful way possible. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, uh, I think I think just like you said, it's a lot of people. They think it goes a certain way. They think you go viral. That's how you make it. Right. It's definitely I think it's definitely about building relationships. It's all about relationships, man. That That's how this industry moves. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships. You can have a million dollars, man, and, and if you come into everybody saying, hey, I got this amount of money, I got this, I got that, then everybody's going to look at you as money, and mm-hmm. that's it, and not care anything about the advancement of your career. Mm-hmm. So anytime you go to that person again, you got to have a bag because you approached them with a bag with a bag and you led with it. Yeah. And you led with it. Right. As opposed to having, and you don't even got to have the dopest music. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can have okay music, but <laughs> if you're coming to somebody, you know what I'm saying? And they see you working like prime example, dollar black, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? We was talking about him earlier. Cats only a handful of people know this, but, I turned away from Dollar twice mm. from managing him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I didn't think he was dope or I didn't like him as a person. Mm-hmm. At the time, honestly, I got tired of the music business. Right. I was tired of it. I was frustrated because I saw the shift that it was going into. And I was like, I don't know if I if I have the energy to put up with this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My son was born. You know what I'm saying? I was like, All right, I, I got to transition into bigger things to create legacy for him. Mm-hmm. You feel me? But when, when Shaka, Shaka was the one who actually shout out to Shaka. That's my brother. He was the one who, who came to me and, in big veil at our office at the time. And he was like, man, listen, this dude is special. Mm-hmm. Like he is the one. And so I was like, man, you know, let's do it. Fuck it, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because I liked him as a person. 
you know what I'm saying? And and Dollar was moving by himself. Like, mm-hmm. even before I came into the picture, he already had his record, you know what I'm saying, on all hip-hop. And it's hard as hell to get on all hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was already doing things, so it really... It it was it was simple, you know what I'm saying. He already had a vision. He already knew what he wanted to do, where he wanted to go. And one of the first conversations we had, I was like, "I right, man, listen, honestly and truthfully, there's two ways we can do this. We can do the easy way, or we can actually build you as a brand and as an artist. That's going to take a little bit more time, but the reward is going to be much bigger. Which route do you want to go?" He was like, "Man, I want to build." Right. I was like, "I right, cool," you know what I'm saying, and so. We, we just really created, you know what I'm saying, something. That whole BDE era was just something mm-hmm. special, man. You know what I'm saying? To where, like, I opened the the resources, you know what I'm saying, and the things that, like, he had the, he had the I's dotted. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He didn't necessarily have the T's fully crossed. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I came in and I just fulfilled the T. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Just filled in some some missing pieces to the puzzle that he had already formed for himself. You know what I'm saying? Organized a few things, helped him with a few things itself. You know what I'm saying? And those are the perfect artist to manager types of relationships to where, you know, you're not necessarily overextending. Yeah. And, and, and holding the artist's hand to A, B, C, and D, you know what I'm saying? The hunger is already there. He and yeah. the energy is already there. Yeah, and and again, he already had a vision of what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was it was simple. So it was easy for when I had Doug Doug Cannon coming coming into the market to to DJ one of my partners DJ parties at Freelance. You know what I'm saying? To where shoot dollar tag along come through. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To where visually in the city. Dollar Black is the only artist that Don Cannon is fucking with. Mm. So there's visuals of Dollar and Don Cannon at 97, you know what I'm saying? Like, shoot, we we did an exclusive, just BDE family dinner at PF Chains. It was just us and Don Cannon, you know what I'm saying? Going to Miami, <coughs> excuse me, going to Miami, kicking it with Jim Jones, kicking it with Gorillas are kicking it with all of these different cats. Going to Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? And DJ Drama is there. Cannon is there. Drake is there. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, Meek Mill is there. You know, all of these cats, you know what I'm saying, are are there. And not on no braggadocious stuff, but he's seeing, like, in a sense, it's about, um, I'm showing him who I am because he's seeing these cats cats come to me like, well, what's up? What's happening? What, yeah. you, you in the city? You can hit me up. And he's looking like, oh, shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, dog. Yeah. Oh, man, I, was, I was supposed to tell you the Miami situation with Dollar. <laughs> so, we in Miami, and we're at the core DJs retreat in Miami. So, we get there on a Wednesday, and we're posting that we're in Miami and a promoter in Miami just hits us up randomly. It was like, yo, y'all want to go? Y'all want to come to KOD tonight? Mm-hmm. Like, shit, hell yeah. King, yeah. King of Diamond. Absolutely. So <laughs> she put us on the list at King of Diamond. We go in. We don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've been to King of Diamond in Miami. Nah, nah I haven't. All right, <laughs> I so, haven't, people. I haven't. <laughs> okay. All right. So imagine Sam's Club. The size of Sam's Club, mm-hmm. that's a strip club. Wow. 
Seriously. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Like multiple stages, multiple bars, like poles extended to the top of the building and dancers are climbing to the top, dropping down, doing tricks, everything, right? Wow. So we're in there, music, blasting, all of this stuff. So one of the professional pole technicians, <laughs> one of them, you know, um, she comes us to it. She's like, y'all, y'all from out of town. Y'all not from here. You know, dollars like, no, nah, we ain't. Now the music is blaring. <laughs> you can still hear this nigga's yeah, voice. Yeah. No, nah, we ain't from here. <laughs> so she stops in her tracks. Yeah. And she's like, how is your voice this deep? And I can still hear you by this speaker. You know, <laughs> man, Dollar got the best voice on. Hey, he got the best, the best sounding voice on 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 the mic that man. I ever heard. Man, real time, I tell him that all the time. Like, bro, your voice is like <laughs> the best shit I ever heard. Dog. <laughs> it was crazy, man. That was hilarious, bro. But Funny. yeah, but yeah, man. Hey, it's been great having you on, man. Man, we we could sit here and talk. I, I know you got stories for days, bro. Hey, hey, we gonna definitely have to do this again, <laughs> man. But before you leave, I I want you to kind of give us any literature or anything that that we could find that could help us out with the financial literacy or anything like that. Man, shoot, the best the best literature I would say online is honestly mm -hmm. Google. Google. But with Google, uh -huh. make sure you're paying attention to and following people that are licensed and certified in the industry because there's a lot of cats out here that saying do this, do that. They're not licensed. Mm -hmm. They're not certified. You know what I'm saying? Earn Your Leisure is a great resource to Earn pay attention and watch. You know, salute to those brothers. Anybody that they have, you know, they're licensed, they're certified. Both of them, they're licensed and certified, but, you know, their business is moving so much to where they really don't have to participate in the actual financial business anymore they're just giving game mm. you feel me yeah but make sure that when you do your research and things like that you're following people that are licensed and certified that have a have a responsibility to providing you with accurate information hey man hey it's been great having you on bro hey i done i done learned so much from this <laughs> conversation bro about crazy crazy stories bro In, informative content man i done learned a lot about you today man it's great having you on bro hey really appreciative to have martin swole white on the podcast today and uh everybody stay safe out there keep supporting the verbal intercourse jackson podcast subscribe share and like and we out here peace <laughs> Uh, direct with my mouthpiece, that's verbal in the course, yes, love.